0: Welcome to Squeamish, the podcast that awakens your social sensibilities. Each episode, I have stimulating and organic roundtable conversations with guests about social commentary issues. Whether it's pop culture and media or social justice, I have got you covered. Today, we will be discussing the pandemic, COVID-19, and the public health issues surrounding it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we have Janelle Miller. Um, thank you so much for being here, Janelle.
1: Um, thank you for having me.
0: Yes. So Janelle is um, currently a PhD student studying at the University of Maryland. She studies microbiology and immunology. And um, she also was a researcher at Johns Hopkins Medicine. Um, and she studied um infectious diseases and knows a lot about that. So, today we're going to be talking about COVID, the pandemic and just any other public health questions that come about. So, Journell, I was I just want to start with us kind of understanding the difference between the pandemic and um an epidemic. Like what is what sets them apart?
1: Okay. So, like, when you're talking about pandemic versus epidemic, an epidemic is typically classified as a disease that affects, like, a large population or a community that it typically wasn't susceptible. So, like, HIV was one of our biggest epidemics for um, Africa. Um, you had, like, smallpox, which arose here in the um, the U.S., which was an epidemic. A pandemic is something is... Is on a larger scale, so it's something that affects multiple countries, multiple continents, um, on the thousands. So mm-hmm. they're calling COVID a pandemic versus an epidemic because it has spread globally. So mm-hmm. if it was contained, kind of in like that Asia region, and kind and of just like some cases spread in various other countries, it would just be considered an epidemic. But because multiple countries, multiple continents have seen thousands and millions of cases. It's now considered a pandemic
0: mm. so um, what made people not know about covid like that you know of since you know, given your background oh man
1: uh, i I don't know, like I guess things I don't think people know about covid um I think from just like from my experience is that. Everybody that I've talked to assumes that COVID is like, or coronaviruses are in general, are these new things. We've had coronaviruses around for years. There have been, there's MERS, which is Middle Eastern um, Severe Respiratory Syndrome which was um, started in Saudi Arabia in 2012, which is a version of coronavirus. There's SARS that rose in 2002. There are multiple versions of coronaviruses that and COVID is just another form of them. It's just unfortunate that we don't know anything. Well, we didn't know anything about this virus Mm -hmm. when it first came up. So that's why it was so hard for everyone to get around it and really get on top of it because it it wasn't reacting and it was spreading faster than SARS and MERS did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, I think for me, that was like the biggest thing that I've noticed that like people didn't know it was like, oh, coronaviruses, like these are new. And it's like, it's not new technically, but this version of it is new. But coronaviruses have been around for years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was watching a video online and it was like talking about how Um, This disease spread and was kind of like saying that basically it spread through pathogens or like through animals like bats um, that like transferred it to, um, you know, humans who were eating it in Wuhan or transferred it to humans who got into contact with it. And apparently there's an idea that um, even mosquitoes can get can bite a bat and then transfer, like, diseases to humans, and that's also another way that diseases have started. Um, is that is that a thing?
1: Yes, that is very much a thing. Um, I know there, so I would say this, my, I worked in an infectious disease lab. My background in infectious diseases was typically in HIV, so you hear me reference HIV a lot, <laughs> because that's kind of, like, where my work has been done, but what you always hear like this thing like that somebody had like sex with a an a monkey or something like that and that's how HIV became a part of the human population. Well, HIV actually started because um, gorillas, monkeys, things of those nature in that um, realm have, which is called SIV, which is simian um, um, immunodeficiency virus, and they use bush meat in various countries in Africa which is they go out hunt gorillas monkeys chop the meat up and sell it so if those those animals were infected and you eat that and you have a cut or anything and then that virus can mutate because viruses mutate at a very high rate in comparison to our cells like our cells maybe you'll find a mutation every million bases where Where viruses, they're mutating like every thousand bases, which is very, that is crazy. Every time I Mm -hmm. think about it, it's just like very high and like Mm -hmm. they don't have the machinery to fix it as, as we do and nor do they need it because like the mutations help them to go into other Organisms like humans, mm-hmm. so you have this virus that typically is in animals, and it yeah. mutates, and you eat something, and you cut something, and all these things happen, and now it's able to infect humans. So we've seen this in many of cases. You have influenza, and just in general, like that's that's an avian flu, like that's a bird flu,
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: has mutated to the form where it can infect humans. So there are there are several cases where diseases have gone from animal to human and this is just another unfortunate case of that happening.
0: Mm. So what is COVID? Like if just a breakdown um of COVID in the most simplest um yet scientific way, um what is what is COVID?
1: Okay. I'm gonna i I'm gonna try my best <laughs> to make this very simple. Um so COVID is what we would describe as a single-stranded RNA virus Um, that just describes, like, its background. So, like, that just lets you know what its actual um, genetic makeup is. It's called coronavirus because of its crown appearance, Um, and COVID is just a severe... acute respiratory syndrome. So Mm -hmm. it is causing all these inflammatory um, responses and a cytokine storm, which just really is um, your immune system. Once you're infected with the virus is like releasing all of these molecules to cause cells to come and attack the virus. But in, in that, it is damaging your body because it's just a lot for your body to handle. So COVID is and just in layman's terms, it's just a virus that is infecting you and causing a lot of respiratory issues. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm thinking about how I can explain it just like simpler than that. But that's kind of just what it is. Like, it's mm-hmm. just a respiratory infection, which is resulting in various uh, reactions,
0: mm so like I know that some of the symptoms are you get fevers, you have a cough, um you know muscle aches and like sore throat i actually it's kind of crazy one time i I recently developed allergies, and I was like, oh my God, like could I have corona <laughs> like you know, can I actually have the disease and apparently like there's similar symptoms and like allergies, but it's not obviously it's not gonna get to the nausea and the the diarrhea and all those different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the spread of the disease, um, of Corona is usually through like droplets, like people coughing. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay.
1: Well, it can be through any type of, um, secretion. So not just coughing. So it can be sneezing, any type of saliva swapping, speaking, any of those things where you're not consciously thinking that droplets are coming out of you when you're doing like these normal activities, like speaking or anything like that, but you are secreting some type of droplet. And -hmm. it's through that, that's where you'll, um, be more susceptible in terms of like catching it from somebody that is infected with COVID.
0: Mm. Can you
1: be immune to, um, covid that's not something that I know. Um, if you if somebody does, is immune to it, I think that you would see it more so in the receptors that the virus is binding to in the body. So say somebody has like a mutation in the receptors on the cells that it's binding to, it would be unlikely for the virus to actually um deliver its uh, machinery into that cell and replicate and establish an infection so somebody that did have that mutation if that is something that is being worked on which is not something that I know but this is just an um idea of how like just how immunity works um then they would be immune to the virus because they wouldn't be able to establish an infection. So there that is a possibility that it is um not affecting certain people because of certain receptors that are that it's not able to bind to.
0: And if you get infected and you like recover, can you possibly get reinfected again? And how like what should you do to avoid that?
1: So um I know I'm I'm assuming that you're bringing this up as people are becoming um, reinfected with the virus, as you've seen in some cases. It looks like just from like things that I've seen and read that you are still susceptible to the virus after you um, clear the infection, which is unfortunate. So it just means that you're Um, memory T cells aren't lasting in your body as long as you would for, say, like the chickenpox or like measles or something like that, where you get a vaccine or you get infected once and then you kind of have like this lifetime immunity. So it looks like those memory T cells for COVID aren't surviving in the body as long. So unfortunately, if you are infected and then you stand the chance of becoming reinfected, you need to continue to do the things that they're that are out there to prevent infection. So mm-hmm. like social distancing and washing your hands and things like that, just so that you're not actively exposing certain parts of your body, like your mouth, your nose, your eyes, where a lot of disease spread happens is less so that's not happening, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. What are the effects um, of the disease on the homeless? And like, how can we as a society, like, more mindful of like how the homeless are dealing like with like the pandemic
2: yeah
1: so um the homeless population is a very vulnerable population just because um majority of them probably have some type of predisposed uh disorder or underlying condition they may be suffering from some type of drug abuse things that would really alter your immune system or affect how you respond to the virus. So they're a very high risk population. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like as a community, what we can do for them is really just try to get them shelter, get them off the street as best as possible at just as an, in general, outside of the pandemic, (laughs) get the homeless population off the streets because Mm -hmm. it just makes them susceptible to everything. But that's a dream world. And for us, like, I think the best bet is to try to give them hand sanitizer, try to give them water, try to give them things that would help protect them while they're out. Give them a mask, give them mm-hmm. give them something that will protect them from being exposed to us because they don't have the benefit of like, oh, I can just be I can just be in the house. Yeah. And not worry about coming in contact with somebody. So it's thing it's like the little things that you can do to try to just help them maintain a distance from others.
0: Definitely. In terms of like um high risk people, who else apart from homeless people are also high risk?
1: Anybody with underlying health conditions and not and I feel like they're not specific on what underlying health conditions if you have an underlying health condition that affects your breathing, your anything like that, you are high risk. So if you have like um, maybe like depression or anxiety or, or even like I, I'm anemic, that wouldn't make me more susceptible. That would make me a necessarily a high risk population because that isn't what's affecting you. So it's like people that have maybe like, some type of like, um, what is it? What am I thinking? Like of? Lyme um, disease? Maybe Lyme disease. I'm thinking of, oh, the chronic obstruction pulmonary disorder. Um, people that have that where you're already dealing with this mucus buildup in these things in your lungs or in general or if you have like lupus something where you have already have an autoimmune disorder where your body is already attacking itself things things of that nature things that mm-hmm. are really affecting the organs that the virus are attacking those those individuals are severely at risk because your body is already going through overload with your disorder and then here comes this virus that mm-hmm. just sets you on top so those those individuals are high risk however there has been a study, I'm not sure if it's been published yet, but I think it's in the works that has discussed that the, the version of the virus or like the severity of the virus depends on who you kind of contracted it from. So if you contracted the virus from somebody that had mild to asymptomatic symptoms, you're mm-hmm. more likely to have mild to asymptomatic symptoms mm-hmm. where you contracted it from somebody that was in the hospital, was on a ventilator, things of that nature had a very aggressive form, you are probably more likely to also have an aggressive form. But and not to say that just because like you caught it from somebody else, asymptomatic and then you catch it and then now yours is severe, this might be because of your underlying health conditions. So I just want to make sure that there's also like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So there it's like, There's so many caveats to it about being a high risk population, but I think the main one is people that have underlying health conditions, which is also in correlation with the elderly, because majority of the elderly probably have some type of underlying health condition. So I think that's why you saw like those two going hand in hand in the beginning.
0: Do you have any insight on, like you just said, there's a scientific study that, you know you've looked into that they they um specified this but do you have any insight on what like the scientific community is seeing um apart from what you just said
1: so i can I can tell you from the work that I've done what we're seeing um so my lab specifically looked at validating rapid tests to um to try to eliminate this very uh painful <laughs> and uncomfortable uh test that's out now for COVID, mm-hmm. the rapid test that we are validating would use a drop of blood and it would take 10 minutes for you to get a you have it, you don't have it. And um I guess like just from what I've seen is that you really you really need to establish which is unfortunate you really need to establish some type of infection before you can get um, a test. So mm-hmm. and I feel like everyone's under impression that like you're going to wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I need to get tested because I was exposed yesterday, potentially like that. That's not going to give you the most accurate results. It Mm -hmm. seems that like the best window is anywhere between like eight to 14 ish days to test for COVID, especially on the rapid test, because that gives your body, the chance to uh, respond because it takes your adaptive immune system to kick in about five to seven days after you've been exposed to any type of pathogen, bacteria included. So that's just something that I've noticed on the science, like on that testing part. Outside of that, I honestly have been trying to... (laughs) get away from COVID
2: mm-hmm. like,
1: just like my mental state because yes. it has been a lot and there's been a lot of things that are going out I feel like in the science community in general like with COVID there's there's a lot of things that we're still trying to figure out in terms of like um slowing this transmission looking at um how it actually changes its confirmation to enter the cell. Like, can we block that? Can we do these th- certain things in an effort to cure? I guess you can say, um, but outside of like really validating, I don't know if I can speak on a lot of other things that are happening in the science community with COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, honestly, you've given me more information than <laughs> I know <in> year <laughs> So in the past <laughs> couple of months, um, so I guess do you know if like which country would you possibly know which country is more closer in finding a vaccine or like what the rollout would be for that vaccine like would we get the vaccine and then it would be like, um would it be like once one spread and like we just give out the vaccine in one go or is it like in increments and would it be administered by your local doctor or like you know um or would it be, like, a, a specific facility that, like, gives out this vaccine and you have to come to a building and, like, there's a bunch of people? Like, what, is, what would that look like in terms of the vaccination process?
1: Okay. um, So... I'm not quite sure which country is probably closer to a vaccine. I know there was some talk that Russia had developed a vaccine, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of so there are a lot of protocols that here in the US we have to follow to roll out a vaccine that not necessarily every other country has to do. So I don't know like where they stand in terms of like knowing the efficacy and the side effects and things like that of the vaccine that is potentially rolling out. And Uh, Russia and stuff like that but I know that the vaccine that they have here in the U.S. I actually just got off of a Zoom call like a week or two ago with um, one of the lead scientists at NIAID which is the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases under the NIH um, who's helping with the COVID uh, vaccine team and I'm sure you're seeing like they're in phase three and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And I actually asked her, um, during the call because her name is, um, Kizmika Corbett. She's great. Honestly, she is like, oh, well, she is gold. Okay. <laughs> if you ever want to look her up, she is gold. Um, but I asked her, that was a question that I had for her. Like, how would, this vaccine look? Would it be something like the flu? Would it be something annual? Would it be something that there was a one shot and one done? And, um, because the data isn't all the way there, she couldn't give me like a, um, clear cut answer, but it seems that from the data that they have now, individuals that have been a part of this vaccine trial are maintaining, um, Antibody responses to the virus. So it looks like the rollout would be more so a one and done kind mm-hmm. of aspect, like you would be able to establish immunity. And the so a, a good thing about vaccines is that you just need to establish herd immunity. I'm not Mm. sure if you are familiar with the term, but no. (laughs) So herd immunity is something that they utilize in science where not everyone needs to get a vaccine. You just need a certain amount of people to get the vaccine and they'll be immune to it. And those people that those individuals that didn't get it and have it, they won't be able to spread it. They will only be able to spread it so far until that pathogen dies out into a population because it can't move it can't spread so the idea for this vaccine is that you for all vaccines is that you just want to establish some sort of herd immunity like everybody doesn't get every vaccine um but that doesn't necessarily mean that all those you really don't see those things necessarily popping back up I guess kind of now because a lot of people are becoming anti-vaxxers but Mm -hmm. back in the 90s where a lot of people weren't. You didn't really see that happening. Um, so it seems that if you get the vaccine and say, I'm just going to give you like an example, say there was 10 of us, we all got the vaccine, and then there were like three people that didn't, and that was just our community. The virus wouldn't, even if our immunity only lasted like three to four months, the virus will only live in that person maybe like three weeks, Right. Mm-hmm. So it won't be able to jump to us 10. It'll only jump to those three, and mm-hmm. then it's going to die out. And then now everybody is protected because it's already it's already established affections in those individuals. And if they separate themselves and quarantine and things like that, and it just dies off, it's not going to spread anymore. Mm-hmm. So even if the vaccine only lasted in the population for like six months, if you establish that herd immunity and get the, vaccine, the virus to die off it kind of falls out of our, our population. You get what I'm saying? I hope Mm -hmm. I'm explaining that pretty well.
0: This is super informed. I'm like listening, like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: in awe. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's the idea of the vaccine at at this point. Like they just want to get it to as many people that are willing to get it so that we can establish some type of immunity in our, in our communities and then hopefully the virus will no longer be able to spread and then it will just die off. And then now we have this established immunity amongst our, our amongst our population and the virus hopefully won't come back, but that's clearly mm-hmm. not um, what you see because viruses are always mutating and coming back real aggressive, so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, how many phases can there be for like the vaccination process?
1: So I believe there's typically four, but, um, because of the magnitude of COVID, um, I think they just really want to get it past three because Mm. in, so with like, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, the phases in a vaccine trial. So like the first one you do it in like, like maybe like 20 people and you really just want to see like, does it work? What are the side effects? Like what dosage of this drug? makes these side effects come about is it safe like do we have individuals going to the hospital after we do this and once they get past that stage and they're like okay it's safe it seems to be protecting the side effects are minimal they'll move on to a bigger population which will have a couple hundred and then that's your phase two and now they're really looking at okay What are like those short term side effects? And that can include anything that you see like on TV. That's like, oh, you might establish diarrhea, nausea, things Mm -hmm. like that. They want to know what are those side effects and how is your body reacting to the vaccine? Like is your adaptive immune response? Like do we see a um, spike in your T cells? We see a spike in your B cell response, things like that, because it will tell us then that, One, your adaptive immune system is kicking into that vaccine. And then two, hopefully you're establishing some type of memory T cell and long-term immunity to that vaccine. And then where we are now, which is phase three, this is where you implement several thousand people. And then you want to do a comparison group. So you'll do, so with the phase three trials, what they're doing is they are tell, like they're asking people to sign up and, you know, like, oh, you can get the vaccine, but you probably won't get the vaccine. You'll probably get a placebo. Mm-hmm. And the doctors don't know. Nobody in the nobody administering the vaccines in a phase three trial knows what you're getting. You don't know if you got a placebo. The doctor doesn't know. And only the person knows. I know is probably like a biostatistician that'll run the numbers at the end. And they want to look at how does it look in a bigger scale, like individuals that got the vaccine versus individuals that did not. Like did the vaccine population where they less likely to Get the virus versus the population that got the placebo or the empty vector virus. And then what's this? And then really looking at the safety like, OK, now we've given it to thousands of people of various backgrounds, of various ages, of various health conditions and Mm -hmm. things like that what is the safety looking like amongst a larger scale population and is it still as effective as it was when we were doing it on a smaller scale so that's what phase three is doing and if it passes through this phase and they're able to show you that this vaccine population was basically 80% more likely not to catch the virus and they only established like a mild fever after administration and that's it they're gonna roll it out they're gonna Mm -hmm. they're not gonna go through this um phase four that you normally see where like they really do like a clear-cut FDA kind of standardization of like things like that um they're gonna roll it out because it needs to come out it does and so yeah (laughs) and I think people would be like oh just a little headache okay give me that give me that vaccine okay So that's how I think it's gonna come out, and, and just talking to um, Dr. Corbett, it also seems like that's also the plan. Like they really want to make it a one and done, and they want to get it out as quickly as possible. Of course, they can't give us a date about when exactly it will come out, but I know that there are several states that are still looking for people to sign up. So mm-hmm. by all means, look up um, COVID vaccine trials. You might be able to get in there and get um the vaccine before everybody else,
0: mm, so you basically the only way we can actually get this done is if people um sign up to be a part of the trial,
1: yes, yeah, so they need to okay. hit a certain number of people um when i when I was on the- on the talk with her with my um scholarship group, she was telling us that right now they have almost ten thousand people signed up for the uh, phase three and their goal is 30,000. So they're only a third way there. The sooner they can get the people, the sooner we can get the data and they can really try to see what's really going on and get it out so people need to sign up. And there was a huge emphasis on um, the African-American community because mm-hmm. unfortunately we do not trust science. We do not trust the doctors. We will not go to these things, but yeah. <laughs> we are we are needed. Like Mm -hmm. we are if if you can if you can go I would go I signed up here in Maryland because I mean I guess I'm on like a different side of things like I'm in I'm in the field so I have like a little bit of trust
2: when Mm -hmm. it comes
1: to science um so I signed up I mean it doesn't necessarily hurt and it also will help them understand okay like is there a difference in terms of like how African Americans are React to the vaccine do we need to fix x y and z like if we don't sign up and there's only um white people indian uh native american china things like that we when we get the vaccine and there was something that uh, we had some type of um variation in our and our genetic makeup that alters how the vaccine affects us, then mm-hmm. we're going to be like, why the hell isn't the vaccine working us? <laughs> but it's like, yeah. if you we would have went to the trial, they could have figured that out and then yeah. try to alter it to us. So I guess it's like, I'm I'm hoping that some people will sign up. I signed up, my mom signed up. Okay. Yeah. I,
0: I, <laughs> honestly, I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, would you do the, the, the trial? And I was like, no, because like, I get nervous that like what if something were to happen to me like because I'm like a guinea pig in a way like and I'm like and like what like is there like a way to make sure that nothing happens to the people who sign up for the trials like it feels I'm like nervous I don't know you know.
1: Yeah and it's understandable like nobody wants to be the guinea pig but I will say this. It's in phase three, so there were hundreds of people before us that were guinea pigs, okay? And yeah. they had to go through the major side effects, like the big ones, like what are the me, like what are the aggressive side effects? That's what they wean out in phase one and phase two. So mm-hmm. once you get to phase three, like it's more so about, it's not necessarily about the side effects in phase three because they already know what the side effects are, and they'll probably tell you that in the beginning, like these are the side effects that we're seeing with it. do you want to be a part of this? Like it won't be a, oh, I don't know why this is happening. They're going to give you that information when you sign up. The phase three is more so about the effectiveness of the virus. Like is it actually working on a large scale? Like we're past, like, is it safe? We're past, what are the side effects? We've already established it's safety. We already established what side effects are occurring in it. Now we need to know how effective it is against preventing the spread of this disease. So uh, in my recommendation, I would always sign up for a phase three. I only sign up for phase three trials because, you know, they've already got little little nicks and crannies (laughs) of it. But um, if you're not comfortable, I got to tell everyone how you feel about this pandemic and this virus. That's how you feel. I'm not going to take anybody's feelings away from them. They are valid. This is a territory that none of us have experienced before, mm-hmm. so I, I can't speak on how other people are feeling about it. If you don't feel comfortable, I wouldn't sign up. I can't. I'm not here to convince you to sign up. I think that I signed up because I'm I'm okay with it. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have that anxiety towards like the vaccine, but if you do, by all means, don't don't put that type of stress on your body. That's just gonna make you. Even more worried and more think you're gonna think other things when you get it and you are gonna develop some type of sickness because your mind <laughs> went away. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I get that. I still gotta think about it. <laughs> yeah. um, with the numbers continuing to rise in several states, um, should we be prepared for another lockdown?
1: Um, unfortunately we live in America and this country is greedy. So no, they probably will not lock, lock this country back down though. They should, but in my personal opinion, they should, they probably won't, which is unfortunate. But, um, as cases do rise, all I can say, and as we see a continued spike that has to let people know that we are not in the clear, we have not gotten to the point where this virus is starting to to disseminate in this population we're not so all those things that you were doing in the beginning to keep yourself safe you need to continue to do them social distance if you if you have to be around people make sure that they are good make sure that they have not been around anybody that is sick or was sick or anything um me and my friends because you know our mental health you got to be around some people because you will go Mm -hmm. crazy we do every two weeks we're on a two week schedule. We'll, we'll link up at my house, have breakfast. There's six of us
2: Mm -hmm. After
1: two weeks. We'll hit each other up. How's everybody feeling? Everybody's fine. Mm -hmm. Anybody have a fever? Like what's, what have you been doing? Who have you been around? Mm -hmm. If everybody is in the clear, we'll link up again. If not, we wait another two weeks and then we go from there. So Mm -hmm. I feel like as we go on, don't prepare for another lockdown. It's probably not going to happen, but Um, That doesn't mean that you should become lax. You should still do what you've been doing to keep yourself safe and to keep your family safe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why do you why do you think that, you know, the U.S. is just struggling with this? Because I noticed that like some students who come who went to school with me, um, they are from like different countries. And one of them is from South Korea. And he said that when he landed, they actually he had to quarantine for two weeks. And mm-hmm. they, like, as soon as he got to the airport, they put like a, an app on his phone that like, allows him to be tracked, basically, yeah. and he couldn't go to he if he were to leave the hotel, he would be um, fined. Um, he couldn't go to the beach, he couldn't go he literally had to be they like monitored him. And somehow like these countries are now seeing lower numbers. Um, even in Wuhan, they apparently had like a huge um, water concert a few days ago and haven't seen like cases since May. So why like what's going on with America that we can't, you know, compare to those countries do the same or have the same like similar results?
1: Yeah, i will give you my honest and blunt answer.
0: Mm-hmm. We are
1: entitled. We are entitled. Like we feel that like and. And it's, a, it's, I guess, like, it just is that whole, like, you know, you can't tell me what to do. Like, these are, mm-hmm. these are my rights. These are my freedoms. These are my liberties. Like, you're not going to do X, Y, and Z to me. The, that mentality isn't something that you always see in other countries.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: our, like, you think about, like, Korea and China. Those, those governments are very, like, they're very strict like mm-hmm. there are certain things that you can and cannot do and there's no questions asked there's no we're here we they tell us one thing and we like oh we doing another we're, yeah. doing, we're like we need y'all to lock down for three weeks and there they were like I'm not locking down I want to be outside I want to do x y and z I want to go to my kids uh father daughter dance I'm supposed to be at a wedding mm-hmm. shower I'm going mm-hmm. to like we're very like you're not telling me what to do and yeah. it's unfortunate because if we did what other countries did if we locked down this country if everybody stayed home we would be probably in the predicament of other nations we would because if you're not in contact with anybody where the where's the virus gonna go yeah where's it gonna go because your body has already fought it off so that's the thing it's not like you would be in a house by yourself and you just had the virus and you fought it off and then it's just like living in your house waiting for you to like <laughs> your bodies to go away so it can reinfect you. <laughs> no, it's gone. Like it's going to leave, like your body's going to fight it off. You're going to have these neutralizing antibodies. And while you're sick, yes, you are like spreading out the virus, but it's probably living on your home surfaces for like 10 minutes. But if you're <laughs> cleaning it, all that stuff, it's gone. So yeah. once you are done with the infection, the infection is done in your realm so like if we would have locked down this country and all those individuals that were sick if they would have stayed quarantined how they were supposed to stay quarantined and they wouldn't have went anywhere and nobody would have went anywhere unless it was necessary we Mm. would have probably the numbers that we see in other nations but unfortunately we're just we're just not going to do it and and it's clear that we're not going to do it like the, we you've already seen what's been going on in the U.S. Like nobody's trying to listen to that. Nobody's trying to quarantine. Like nobody's trying to do it. Like one of my coworkers is actually in South Korea right now with his fiance, and he um, documented his whole quarantine process
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the hotel on on Instagram. And I was like, this is crazy. Like the Americans would not do this. Yeah. Would not do this. But he was like, like he put up the statistics, and it's like that you're talking about a country that is seeing 33 a country that is seeing 33 on um, cases a day where where the US is seeing upwards of 66,000 cases yeah. a day. Uh 33 33 66,000. Like yeah. like it there's no comparison. You got to lock it down. You got to stay in the house. You got to keep your distance because that's how it's spreading. Like yeah. like yeah, I could see if it was something like um HIV that where you have to have some type of like intercourse Concept. or mm-hmm. something like that like some type of physical touch to spread then you don't need to lock the city down but if it when it's airborne when it's aerosol you you have to do it like I need people to think about COVID like how we were with anthrax nobody wanted to be around that nobody would be outside yeah that's they need. that's the level that you need to be on and even though it's not as aggressive as anthrax but you need to think about it in that sense like if somebody sneezes, you don't know what that what caused that sneeze, and, mm-hmm. and what people don't realize is how long sneeze particles last in the air. You're talking mm-hmm. in like 15 minutes, and you walk past that person two seconds after they sneeze, and then somebody down the street gonna walk in that air bubble, and then they also are in contact with it. So it's like little things like that, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about sneezes today, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so I mean what would you say to someone who could be like, well, America is bigger than South Korea, you know, like of course numbers would be drastically different. Okay. But
1: <laughs> so I'm like, and so I mean but then you have some some uh you have Asia, you have China, these are large mm-hmm. countries, these are like With China is people. large. Yeah. With, billion, yeah. with like a billion people. We don't even have, we only have like 300 million people here in the U.S. Yeah. So I think like people aren't, you got to look on it on like a population scale. Like even though Korea is smaller, think about China. Think about all these other countries that have our magnitude of populations that are seeing a decline because they were very strict. Italy shut their country down. You could not be on the streets at all. One of my, um, one of my friends who's actually in grad school, um, overseas, she's in London there. They've shut the city down. Like it's like things like that, where like people just understood. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly, sometimes I kind of blame yeah. the media when it comes to these type of things, because they establish a certain fear in people. And then like, they establish some type of like I don't know like entitlement in people and then everybody's like in a different mind state and things like that. But mm-hmm. I don't want to get off track. So if somebody asks me about like in comparison, I there it really is no comparison. So what that that country's smaller? They clearly have a solution that yeah, we yeah. need to do as well. Like that's a blueprint. Like mm-hmm. I don't care that smaller that's a blueprint they're showing you what you need to do so that we can establish the same type of results that they're seeing and we need to do it as well like plain and simple amen
0: Amen. yeah we're seeing people going back to school now you know whether it's college college students or you know k through 12 um children and um i guess my question is um do you think that it's effective or like the right thing to do to send the kids back to school? Because, you know, we've already, I've already seen or heard stories about, um, you know, parents coming back home with their kids and realizing that their mask has been traded. Like they don't have the same mask that they had on when they were, um, leaving the house or even like at colleges like UNC or just, uh, huge party schools. I think down South, they're having, uh, parties already and they're already suspended did
1: you see that (laughs) the COVID
0: parties oh no I, I I think I heard about it it was in Georgia
1: yeah they were having like a COVID party where it was like somebody there had COVID or something or they were like it was like a wager like whoever gets COVID first get the money pot kind of thing
0: it's so sad
1: yeah crazy yeah um but, and I don't think that honestly I honestly don't see the purpose in having the kids go back this semester.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they were already doing online school in the last the last half of uh last year in the spring so and we're not in the clear that we thought that we were going to be in for them to go back to school, so why have them go back because the the schedule that they have is really not a schedule that I feel like would prevent I, I think they're thinking about the children, which is which I understand they're like, Oh, the kids are every other day off or two times a week they come in and then they're doing remote learning and things like that. But then it's like you're not thinking about the teacher. hmm They're exposed to all of these children every day. Yeah. So yes, this kid is now home and they're doing remote learning because we want to protect the children. But we also forget that kids are also also susceptible to COVID. We've seen cases of kids with COVID, even though they're not a high risk population, they're not dying as one would expect when you have a virus like this, because typically... um, children and the elderly are your biggest susceptible to groups susceptible groups because their immune systems are either mature or dwindling so they're normally so this was like one of those caveats with covid is that the um children weren't as susceptible as elderly people but they are still susceptible so you have this child that probably is asymptomatic or has a mild symptom and kids always have a cold they always sick it does not matter. They always have some type of sniffle, so we brushing it off, and they going to school, and then now that teacher's exposed, and then that teacher go home, and now her whole family's exposed, or whatever the case may be, and then she probably doesn't know for a couple of days because even when you aren't symptomatic, you're still contagious. Mm-hmm. So now that teacher's coming back to school and she's teaching all those kids and she's around all those coworkers and she's spreading that virus that she got from that one child that she thought just had a cold because she had the sniffles, blase, blase, and now the whole school is infected. Like I don't think anybody thought about that magnitude of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so like it, it, yeah. it just not really like. Um, a plan that I agree with. It's it's already happening and I'm nobody to the C D C and NIH so <laughs> they're gonna do what they wanna do. Um, but I don't necessarily think that it was the best move. You have these and and I get it, like we wanna get the kids out. They want they need to get back into like, you know, regular learning because it is gonna be hard for them. But getting them back into school is not more important than them living or their teachers living
2: yeah
1: like it's just not more important than that so I think that we need to slow down on certain things and realize the bigger picture of it and it's like we can't keep exposing people to this virus just for our own personal gain
0: exactly yeah and so there's been a bit debate about like the mask and like whether you should wear it or not Mm -hmm. um what do you say to people who say that you shouldn't wear the mask or like you that's it makes it's hard for me to breathe or like it's just, like, not necessary. Or or the people who say, like, let's just get the disease and, like, you know, hopefully, like, get immune to it and get, o- get it over with. Like, if we catch it, we could, I guess, get sick. It's the flu. You should be fine.
1: Well, that goes back to my last statement. Like, you don't necessarily establish long-term immunity so you're gonna get it and then you're gonna be like oh i'm good but then you're not really good because probably like three four months later you're gonna get it again so was it worth it mm-hmm. um but when it comes to the mask i actually just had this conversation with jasmine and veronica you know jasmine but, uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um because she asked me about this as well wear the mask wear the mask because even i know everybody's seeing these videos about oh you know the particles are still coming out but I feel like people forget that that barrier is preventing how far those particles can go. Like their tra- trajectory typically can be a lot further when you don't have a mass on. So when you have that mass on one, it's preventing how far it can go. And honestly, it's preventing how many of those particles actually get released. Like not everything is gonna go through that mask. So if you have an, a mask and the person around you has on a mask, you got to think about it like that. Like I prevented how far my sneeze goes. They have an, a mask. So the likelihood of those limited particles going into their mask and then infecting them is also lower. So it's a, it's, also, it's all about lowering the transmission.
2: Mm-hmm. Are certain
1: masks better than others? Yes. But having a mask on in general just is a barrier. Like I feel like people forget that. They're like, oh, it's not preventing uh, the particle, the droplets from coming out. And I don't think that they ever said that it prevented all the droplets. I think the only one that will do that isn't in 95 because they're made specifically for that purpose.
2: Mm-hmm. Where, like
1: the surgical masks and things like that, they're not made necessarily to prevent droplets from coming out. They're just made to prevent how far things spread because you want to keep mm-hmm. some type of sterile environment. And that's what you, I feel like that's what people need to realize. And honestly, like just wear the mask, like it costs you nothing to wear the mask. It's kind of like a cordial thing. Like mm-hmm. if you feel in some type, if you feel in some type of sickness, you're protecting the people around you.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, I feel like that's what everybody needs to realize. Like, yeah, it may be uncomfortable. It's something that we're not used to things of that nature, but it's a bigger picture when it comes to the mask. So it's not necessarily like, oh, well, I don't think it's not doing nothing. But it it, it is. Even if you don't think that it is, it really is doing something. Mm-hmm. You should wear your mask. Um, And I was going to say something else, but I completely forgot my job. <laughs> uh, yeah. So wear your mask. I, that's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> yes. I definitely agree that wearing a mask is key. Um, In terms of the spread of the disease, when it comes to families, Is there like a genetic predisposition um, in some families where they some of them have the side effects of the disease, whereas some don't even have they're like they're silent carriers. They don't even know that they have it. Or is it like everyone in the family will get the same, um, will have the same symptoms?
1: Um, No. So uh, no to your second part. So not everyone is going to have the same symptoms. Um, It really is how you, how your body, how your immune system reacts to the virus. So just because like your sister or brother, whatever the case may be, doesn't have any symptoms, doesn't mean necessarily that you're not going to have any symptoms, that you're mm-hmm. going to be asymptomatic or, oh, you, feel, um, actually, uh, my mom's coworker recently just was infected with COVID and her boyfriend had severe pneumonia and that's what made her, go to the, um, to patient first and get tested. And the only thing, the only symptom she had was the loss of taste and smell. So that's where like that discrepancy can be like, he was suffering from pneumonia. He was in the hospital where her only symptom was the loss of taste and smell. That's it. That's all Mm -hmm. she had. So it really is about your body's reaction to it. And Things of that nature. I think um, she did tell my mom like a little bit late, like once she established the infection, she was feeling bad, but she never developed pneumonia, but she did have like a rough couple of days. Um, but it won't be the same for everyone, which is, yeah. it, it just won't be. Um, but as I said prior, it, it the you're more likely to have mild symptoms and moderate symptoms. You're more likely to feel like you have the flu than you are, to be on a ventilator. Like that is such a small population of people that are infected that result to that point of severe pneumonia and have to be um, incubated. So I want everybody to realize that like, you're more likely to just have like a very asymptomatic mild condition where you're like, "Mm, I'm kind of under the weather. And if you um, infect somebody else, they'll probably also have those symptoms, but the symptoms necessarily won't be the same. Like I may have a fever, and a dry cloth where you may have the loss of smell and diarrhea, but they're, these are considered mild and moderate symptoms. Mm. They all fall under that category. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Is it possible to just get like regular sick, like not be have corona, but you could just like have a cold, or is it like you can't trust anything right now? Like just assume.
1: No. So, yes, you can still get regular sick. I want everybody to realize that these other bacteria are out here thriving, okay? Don't forget about those summer colds, don't forget about none of that stuff because that it still exists. It's just that our whole focus is on COVID. Mm-hmm. So I have this conversation with my mom almost every day. She calls me <laughs> almost every day. And I'm like, you have allergies. You have allergies. Yeah, you I know. I know. Him. I have allergies. And don't get me wrong. I have scared myself on um, multiple mm-hmm. occasions in this house, okay, like up. Uh, this throat is a little scratchy. I'm scared. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's just a natural instinct because of what's happening. But I want everybody, I, I just want people to be mindful that there are other things that are going to get you sick. That That's how mm-hmm. it's always been. Yeah. And, but it does not hurt to get tested. So yeah. if you want to get tested, get tested. Like if you feel like you need to be tested just for your peace of mind, get tested. So but so but remember that there are other things like if you're sick if you're not necessarily having all of the symptoms that you would for covid you probably just have a summer cold you know something like that like i get sinus infections so things like that like these things are they're still out there they're still thriving they're still a concern there's no cure for a code because there are literally like a million versions of the code. So that we'll never have a vaccine for the code for the mm-hmm. common code. Um, so that's always going to be around. People get the summer flu. You have um, neurovirus, which causes like diarrhea and fevers and sweats, And that just comes from like, I think you more so see that on like cruise ships and like big population things. But I think you can catch neurovirus from like, just like somebody likes, threw up uh, you were in the area and it was in there mm-hmm. so so like it's things like that that will also give you the same symptoms yeah but they're and they're always around you wouldn't think twice when you caught it like last year because you're just like oh I got the stomach bug and that's just what it is but now you have this pandemic and now everything feels like COVID yeah. which which is unfortunate but it, I I say that so that you realize that like there are other things and don't, don't be afraid of the code. Don't be afraid of that. Like, that's just something that's going to happen. But like I said, to get that peace of mind, get tested. I was testing myself at work like every two weeks just Mm -hmm. to give myself peace of mind because I'm actively working with COVID samples and Mm. all these things. And you just never know. Like I cut myself on a COVID tube at work and I was, A parade. I was like, oh my god! But luckily, I had not luckily, but I guess luckily, it was um a convalescent patient, so somebody that had already recovered from COVID. And if anything, my boss was like, this is like best case scenario because like I probably just got their neutralizing antibodies, and now I'm like immune to the virus. So hopefully,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay. Yes, we pray. (laughs) Oh my god! Can you get sick from like? being overworked or, like, being, like, like getting stressed out, like, making yourself anxious from, like, just life in general?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. You can send yourself into a sickness just being stressed. I Like, I am an advocate of, like, if you are high stress, take a day. Take a day and rest and just find some peace because you are releasing various, like, molecules in your body, and your body is hyperactive, and now you're going to basically initiate some type of like immune response some like inflammatory response because you're releasing all these like things and your body's trying to help you and all these things so like Mm -hmm. you're going to start to feel sick because you've induced this like even there are induced stress codes and things like that like I can send myself into an anxiety attack and like just be done for like two days so Mm -hmm. these are things that can happen like your mental your mental state will really affect how you feel and like what's happening to you and honestly it'll probably make you more susceptible to a cold because Mm -hmm. your body is on, on this like heightened response so it's like already elevated so you're more susceptible for something to come in and attack you know Mm -hmm. because it's focused on like helping you trying to decrease your stress and then here comes this pathogen affecting another part but your body was working here and it didn't have time to actually go down there and get that and now you're sick and on top of being stressed on top of being anxious and things like that so if you can try to find some things that help your mental space during this time read
2: Mm-hmm. I'm watching
1: New Girl, you know, to, yeah. for a little laugh in the evenings, like drink some. I like to drink a tea in the night so that I'm calm, like things like that, because as mm-hmm. when I'm going to sleep, that's when my anxiety is the worst, because I'm like, am I breathing weird? Am I mm-hmm. doing this weird? You know, so do anything you can to try to keep your mental health on on 100, because it will, it will affect you long-term, you know?
0: Yeah, mental health is key, self-care is t- is definitely key. Um, so, in terms of, like, shopping, right, um, mm-hmm. and being out in public, how do you, how do you suggest you go to the grocery store and, like, safely shop?
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, I know I like to go at a random time when I don't think people will be there. So like 11 o'clock on like a Tuesday, you know, (laughs) something (laughs) random where like not a lot of people, I wear my mask, I hand sanitize, like sanitize the cart as I'm shopping. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to keep my distance as much as possible from other people in there as best as possible. You know, grocery stores can be a little hard to like really social distance because everybody's grabbing one thing or whatever the case may be. Um, I do my shopping, I get out of there. Um, I immediately hand sanitize when I get in the car, I take my mask off when I get in the car, things like that. Cause I don't want to like be touching things that were also touched and then touching my belongings at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, I'm not wanna. I'm not overly cautious, but my boyfriend is. He likes to uh, wipe down all the groceries with Lysol when we get home. Yeah. You know, so that's all a right. nice thing. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: mm-hmm.
1: Anything that you feel that will make you safe, do that. I clean all the fruit. I soak all of our fruit that's just been sitting. You don't know who's been touching it. Things like that. I wash all my fruit and apple cider vinegar and water just to clear off everything. Um, and that's basically it. I'm like, I'm maybe once a week in the grocery store real quick, getting what I need. I'm in and out. I'm not doing a lot. I'm doing the self checkout for the most part. Um I've always done a self-checkout. I just prefer I used to work in a grocery store, so I just prefer to pick up my own stuff. But um, yeah, so I think that's your best bet. Just go in and out. Try to, if they have the option to wipe down the cart, wipe down the cart. Mm -hmm. Um, Try to keep your distance, wear your mask, and clean off your groceries if that makes you comfortable. If not, I, I don't keep any of the bags during this time. Like I know it's very, like, you know, a thing to keep your plastic bags on um, reserve. But during this pandemic, I'm not keeping any plastic bags
2: mm-hmm. on
1: reserve. I'm throwing away all plastic bags during this time because I just don't feel comfortable. You don't know how long those plastic bags have been there, what's mm-hmm. been on them, what's been touched, things like that. So, And it's just really not worth it because I'm sure everybody has like a thousand plastic bags in their house. And you really yeah. don't need these ones right now during this pandemic from
2: uh, yeah
1: grocery store so I get rid of everything wipe down as I said my boyfriend likes to wipe down the groceries and that's it that's really yeah. my mom likes to keep her stuff outside for like uh like an hour like if it's not non-perishable items just like sit it outside and out for like an hour to like kind of I guess disinfect naturally
0: hmm mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I I I do have a question because I go grocery shopping and I wear a mask, but I also have gloves on. Is that really effective, or is it just like I mean, it's the same thing as my hand. Is that the same? Are they the same? Or
1: so wearing the um gloves. So wearing the gloves is only effective if you are changing those gloves. So. If you wore those gloves in your car and then in the grocery store and then touch all that stuff in the grocery store and then kept them on, put them in, like you're still touching all these things and the glove has them on. If you go into the grocery store and with those gloves on and you're like right when you get in there, you put on the gloves, you do all your grocery shopping, you come out and you throw away those gloves, yes, that can be effective for you. It won't necessarily be effective for the groceries, I think that you still need to take your precautions, like if you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. with like wiping them off, but it will be protective for you. But if you're just continuously wearing the same gloves, no, Mm -hmm. you might as well just have your hand, you might as well just have your hands because Mm -hmm. that glove has touched everything, seen everything. and, And that latex is probably holding on to uh, more pathogens for a longer time than your hands will because at least your hands you wash them and you do x y and z with them where the gloves you're not really doing that
0: yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense and when you're wa- like I wash my groceries do you suggest using gloves to wash your groceries or um is it okay to just use your hands to wash the groceries when then wash your hands afterwards and then be done with that
1: I feel like both methods work well if you if you want to wear the gloves to wash your groceries, yes, wear the gloves. I would still wash my hands after I take off the gloves because you just never know. Um, there could be like a little hole that you don't even see. Um, if you don't want to wear the gloves and you wash your groceries, just wash your hands right afterwards. Both are mm-hmm. very effective methods. Um, I don't see an issue in either one. I don't. I don't feel like there's one that outweighs the other better.
0: Okay. Yeah. And when it comes to traveling, what do you recommend like people do if they want to travel? Um, a lot of people are going on holiday in other countries, and like you know, um, what would you say for that? Like, do you suggest that, especially if you're in, in the U.S., to travel even if it's domestically?
1: Um, for me, this is just me personally, I don't really feel comfortable getting on a plane at this time just because you see a lot of planes starting to dial back on their disinfecting, I think it was like Delta or like Southwest that was like, they're not going to clean the armrests and the seat belts in between flights anymore. And, oh, now majority of the flights are going back to, um, like 75 plus capacity and things. So I don't really feel comfortable. I just feel like they're going too fast to try to, to try to get people more people to fly. Um, I suggest and this is like I said, this is just me personally. If I can drive it, I'll go. If I if it's not something that I'm comfortable driving with, I don't really want to go. I don't really feel like I don't feel comfortable being in an enclosed space for X amount of hours with with people that I don't know what they've been doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
1: don't have a fever right now, and you checked in, but that doesn't mean on this two-hour flight that they will not develop a fever and now they're starting to be symptomatic for COVID just because they were. Uh, fever free when you took the temperature at the beginning does not mean at the end they will be fever free. Like, that's not how, mm-hmm. that's not, the, that's just not what it is. Like, you cannot guarantee that. So, I personally just don't feel comfortable right now in this state to travel. But if you are going to travel, take all the precautions. You can, if you can get a seat not near somebody, like, get on spikes that are still doing like less than 50% capacity. Or try to find a flight that has less than 50% capacity, check the seat schedule, like seat arrangement, see if you can get one where you're not the middle seat, you're only the aisle or the the window seat, Mm -hmm. wear your mask the whole time, disinfect as much as possible, wash your hands as much as possible. Whatever clothes you traveled in, I would put them in the bag once you get off the plane. Like. Mm-hmm. Once you get off the plane, you get to your hotel, wherever you're at, take those off, put those in your laundry bag, be done with them, take a shower, clean yourself so that you are not, now you're, now you should be okay in a sense, because mm-hmm. nothing on you should be, how should have been exposed at that point? Um, and just continue to do the things that you were doing to try to maintain your health. Um, but yeah, like I said, if it was me, I would only do um, trips where I can drive, but I know mm-hmm. that that's for everyone so I would just just be vigilant while you out there flying and going to I don't even think we can go to other countries right now because I think there's like a ban on the US from like I don't know yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> many countries
1: yeah uh,
0: Um. so I do have some questions about like socializing with people mm-hmm. you know while people are saying to socially distance and like just quarantine and all that stuff people do have inquiries about Uh, what to do like they do want to socialize so like they want to know like what to do and what not to do when you're socializing with people at events like whether it's parties or um, you know I know that one of my friends they want to go to carnival which is a huge you know festivity where it's people are kind of close to each other or really close to each other and they're dancing there's physical activity like what do you recommend in that in that situation
1: Oh, man that one's hard because there's only so much you can do there's only so much that mask is going to protect you from in like a larger scale uh environment um I mean try to keep your distance as much as possible if you want to go to carnival where like I'm like I'm gonna keep saying wear your mask wash your hands have your hand I keep hand sanitizer on um, I me mean, I actually use um hand sanitizer from the lab. So I have like 70% ethanol from the lab that I carry on me at all times. Just so, and I spray my hands ever so often. And if I feel just like a little uncomfortable, like how my hands feel, like they feel like a little gooky and I'm not near
2: um, mm-hmm.
1: a sink. I'll use the hand sanitizer um, on a, on just like a social scale for me. I think if you are, if you just want to be around people, I think I would limit, I try to limit like my contact to about 10 people, um, try to keep as much as like a distance from them as possible while we're out, but still in a, like in an area where like, it's not like I'm being awkward. Like I'm not like step back and being weird and things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just like, I really try to keep it to people that I know, I know what they're doing. I, I, I trust them. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, I'm not trying to socialize with a lot of people that I don't know. Yeah. Um, just just because you, like I said, you just don't know what they've been doing and you really can't, right now, you just really can't take that risk. Like, exactly. before you could, but right now, it's, the risk is just not worth the benefit. It really isn't. Um, Like, the outcome is just not worth the risk. It just really isn't. So, um, but for, for like, something for Carnival, like, I really don't know what else to suggest other than hand at every chance you get and a face mask because, and then quarantine after you get from there because you've probably been exposed because there's just too many people. The likelihood of somebody having COVID in that type of uh, scale is a lot higher than when if you were in like a social gathering of like 10 people. So just quarantine afterwards and monitor your symptoms. I always give myself about eight days after i've been around people to see like how i'm feeling because that's when my body should have started like reacting to something and mm-hmm. black
0: paper, said. yeah what what advice would you rec- um, have for people who want to go to the beach and also should you sit in restaurants is that like is th- does that make sense to sit in a restaurant or do you think mm-hmm. people should just do delivery curbside pickup and like just take out just don't sit in a restaurant
2: yeah
1: So I've actually been to the beach. Um, I just keep like my distance at the beach. When we walk onto the beach, I have my mask on. Once we get to our area at the beach, I'll take it off. And then I'm kind of just there in that space the rest of the time. I haven't had any issues. Honestly, everybody at the beach that I've been to, I've um, been to Fenwick in Delaware. And everyone at Fenwick has kind of had the same mentality. Everybody is spread out. They're Mm -hmm. in their little section. They're just here for some sun. And that's it. And that's fine. And it works. Um, So if you want to go to the beach, I'm also comfortable with going to the beach because it's outside. And I feel a little bit better about being in environments where it's outside. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily like something where I'm like elbow to elbow. And Mm -hmm. I'm not like trying to be in contact with other people. I'm kind of just here for myself. Uh, So if you want to go to the beach, I highly recommend it. I've been. Just keep your distance as much as possible. Um, for dining, I've only done outdoor dining. I don't really feel comfortable mm-hmm. going indoors. I don't know what it is about being in closed spaces for a long period of time. It's just not sitting well with me. So yeah. I don't. I don't do indoor dining. Um, I've done outdoor dining. It hasn't been an issue. Restaurants have been pretty good about spacing out the tables. I don't. I don't know what it's. So I was in Syracuse this past weekend and a couple of restaurants had, like, outdoor seating, but I know here in Baltimore, majority of the restaurants have done, have gone large-scale outdoor seating, like, there's not, like, there might be, like, one or two tables inside that you can sit at, but majority of their tables are now outside, and, Mm -hmm. like, roads are blocked off so that they can continue to do that and things, so I, if you want to indoor, Don, I can't stop you from doing that, it seems like they have it For the most part, under control, I think we saw a spike here in Baltimore a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago with indoor dining. And then they scaled back because they had it at like 50 percent capacity when it first opened up indoor dining and they dropped it to 25. And I don't think it's been an issue since they dropped it to 25. But the fact that they even had to do that for indoor dining lets me know that indoor dining is not something that I should be doing. So yeah. I tried <laughs> not to indoor dine. So if you can, I would do outdoor dining. I would do takeout, mm. things of that nature. Right now, indoor dining just doesn't seem like something that is worth worth doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we're getting close to the end of this amazing, informative um, episode. And I just wanted to ask something a little more fun. A friend of mine wanted to know, um, what activities do you suggest doing when you're quarantining for two weeks besides, you know, watching tv
1: oh um me and my roommate like to do karaoke okay
2: mm-hmm.
1: we have a karaoke machine i would do that um what else can you do uh, read i play some games like on my um laptop i have a puzzle oh get a puzzle if you can get like a thousand piece puzzle that'll mm-hmm. take your time for at least like four days um what else i like to um During this time, I really found it very beneficial for me to try to get, like, a schedule, like a planner. So I have, like, a planner where I have everything written out and I have, like, a schedule. I'm working out, I'm reading, Mm -hmm. I'm uh, cleaning on certain days, I'm cleaning out my closet. Like, just, like, little things to, like, Mm -hmm. I guess improve me. So this is a perfect time to do that, paint your nails. I done braided my hair a couple of times (laughs) during this thing um so like I honestly like during the quarantine anything that you've been wanting to do that you could not do when you are working this is your time this is your time have you a couple glasses of wine watch that movie that you wanted to watch uh listen to that album that you wanted to hear music is therapy so listen to as Mm -hmm. much music as possible I've been online shopping like a mug I done got like a 1000 packages since <laughs> March. Okay. I've been trying new hair products. I've been buying like so I honestly like I've really been taking like these times and if I have to quarantine, I would really take that time to just do things that journal wants to do. Like what can I do? I want to try this new hairstyle. I want to I want to do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, I'm really into puzzles. I'm really into uh, hair products, okay. I'm very into my natural hair, getting it right, getting yes. it. You so it. I, am <laughs> like very adamant about trying new things so that I can find the right moisturizer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's possible to do this when you quarantine, but if you can go for a walk, go for a walk. I've been going on so many walks. Mhm. I yeah. have like a really nice like um. I yeah. live. In, yeah, I live in um like Patterson Park in. Baltimore like I live right there so it's like one of the biggest it's the biggest inner city park in like Maryland or something like that mm-hmm. park in Maryland and um I just walk that the to walk it from my house like the whole square I think it's like two miles mm-hmm. like just one lap so I do that and I just come home and then I've gotten my um air for the day if you have a backyard sit out in your backyard garden.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have some new plant babies because of this pandemic that I love. I need to water them once we get off this call.
2: Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> actually, so yeah, that's my suggestion. Just do anything that your heart desires. It does not have to be t v If you want to do it, do it. This is the perfect time because when are you gonna get two weeks to do nothing again?
0: Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Janelle. This was super
2: impressive,
0: sure. um, much needed. And you honestly took it out of the park. And I learned so much from you today. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah. I was hoping that was going to be good. I was like, I'm no expert. So I don't know how well I'm going to do on this. I'm still a student. I'm still learning. So I'm glad that it was informative. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. That's all I wanted. I wanted to shed like hopefully a little different light, a little ease when it comes to this pandemic, a little sanity.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: No problem. Thank
0: you listeners for tuning in to Squeamish, the podcast. Stay tuned for more amazing content. Whether it's serious to lighthearted topics, we've got you covered.